I saw. Hey guys, this is Bruce and welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. Happy New Year. Um, I want to talk about something very that happened in my life. And I don't know why I'm having double voice. Boom. Okay. Killed. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about today is something, a life-changing book that I read in 2023. And um, I just want to share it with you guys real quick. Whether you're doing building up your career, building up your business, trying to strengthen your family, whatever the case may be, I have something I want to share with you that I think will be life changing for you. Um, Because it was for me. I'm a huge reader. I read a lot of books, mostly audiobooks, because what I'll do is if I'm driving a long way or if I'm doing even shit, sometimes I'm at work and I'll just listen to an audiobook if I'm doing some admin stuff in the background or something. And I just listen to a lot of books. And one book in particular, and I've talked about this in the beginning of the year, how there was a set of books actually that I recommended that you read. It's come down to one book for this year that I think will help you in the next year. And that book is called A 12-Week Year. And I'll explain about it in a minute. But let me show you, if you happen to be watching me live on YouTube, I read a lot of books. I read spiritual books. I read uh, lots of fiction. Science fiction is my favorite. Um, Look, you have Work the System. That's a business book. That's a really good one. Um, Dark Matter, it's 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 a science fiction novel. I read constantly. Basically, I don't stop reading. I just all throughout the year. I probably this year probably read about, I don't know, about 50 books or something. I've gone through and listened to about 50 books. Bhagavad Gita, a book called Blood Music, A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Excellent book about a dude who survived the Holocaust. Crazy, impactful, very emotional book about how to find meaning in your life and meaning out of no meaning, meaning when it's when it seems meaningless um, and how people do it in their worst times. Lots and lots and lots of science fiction books, uh, books about ChatGPT, books about um, all kinds of books, all kinds of books. But one book stands out to me, and that book was called The 12 Week Year. This book right here is a life changer. 12-week year. Now, let me, I just want to explain the concept of it. So what you do is whenever you're making your New Year's resolution, you're like, okay, this year I'm going to get in shape. This year I'm going to get abs. This year I'm going to build my business. I want to make 9,000 a month, whatever it is, right? Whatever your goal is, you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in 12 weeks. It sounds crazy, okay? It sounds crazy to say, I'm going to do it in 12 weeks, but let me show you where the magic happens. If you say, I'm going to do something in 12 weeks, it forces you to focus on like one or two things. A lot of times what we do is we'll make a list and say, I'm going to do all these things in tw- in one year, right? 365 days. I'm going to get abs. I'm going to build my business to $5,000 a month. I'm going to increase my viewers on YouTube to 10 subscribers, whatever it is, right? You write all these things. If you do a 12-week year if and you're going to do everything you said you were going to do, but do it in 12 weeks, that's three months. It forces you 
to only choose one thing, one or two things. If for right away you realize there's no way you can do all the list of things you are going to do in one year and 12 weeks. So it forces you to think, how can I do all of this stuff in 12 weeks? I tried it. So I tried to take my whole list that I was going to do in one year. I tried to do it all in 12 weeks and I ended up in the hospital. I'm not even joking. I'm not exaggerating. I literally ended up in the hospital. I took one week where I was trying to do everything. All this whole list of things I was trying to do it. And I literally tried to do it in 12 and it and it's it's insane. And what I had to do was trim the list down to two or one or two things. I had to get it all the way down to two things and that I could do in 12 weeks. And I had to be specific about my goals in order to do it in 12 weeks. I had to cut out. I had to say no to a lot of people. I had to I had to. Man, friends, family, everything. I had to cut as many things out as I could, as I had to, and only get to those things that I absolutely had to do to get these these things done in 12 weeks. Now, I'm not telling you, you know, don't spend time with your kids. And I'm not telling you, like, don't don't pay your mortgage. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just saying if the list of goals that you would normally do in a 365 days, condense those down to just one or two things and do that thing in 12 weeks. There's a, it's a psychological thing. It forces you to be more practical about what you're trying to do. It forces you to have measurable goals in that tw- and it forces you to see, to see if it'll work or not. Cause in 12 weeks, you'll know whether that thing is going to work and you'll see whether or not it's worth your time. It's, it's amazing. The 12 week year, Everything I apply to works. If I'm trying to work out in 12 weeks, I'll see results. If I'm if I focus on my books, man, my 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 book turned. I'm now not just an author. I'm a publisher because I just focus all my energy on just doing that one thing. Um, anything I focus on, it just becomes like a laser, and then it works. If I'm studying for something, um, if I'm Whatever I'm doing, if you focus your 12 week, uh, 12 week year on it, it, it works. So focus, read, check out this book, 12 week year, check out the site. If you're interested, it's called 12 week.com 12 number 12 week year, all one word.com. Check out that site, buy the book. They have it on audiobook. If you're interested in that, go check out the audiobook. That was the top book that I read for all of 2023. It beat out all, and I read some awesome books. The one there was one by, um, oh man, there's a Navy SEAL. This this dude Goggins, uh, Goggins, David Goggins. I read a book from him last year, uh, this year rather. I read uh, that book by Viktor Frankl was really good. Um, I read a whole bunch of awesome books, but. Above all, the best book that I read by far, bar none, has definitely been that 12-week year book. The 12-week year book has been the most effective. Um, a close second will be the book by uh, David Goggins. Was I mean, for me, it was just I the time frame that I read it, I really needed that book. And it came at the right time in my life. And so it was. it's been life-changing. And here it is right here.
Let me let me just show my screen real quick. Here it is right here, 12 week year. Um, great, great book. Great, great, great book. Um, another one that was really good. If you like fiction, um, Hail Mary, this one by Andy Weir is really good. And there's some other really good books in there. But if you want to change your life, 12 week year, check that one out. All right. Let me answer some questions. Uh, let me see. I got some folks on TikTok who are popping in. And the first one is, let me see, first one. Is, oh, by the way, I got a free book coming out real soon. I'm working on the cover of it. So if you're interested in that, sign up for my newsletter. Go to ComboCourses.net, ComboCourses.com, and you'll just sign up for the free newsletters. Just give me your email. And then when I do send out jobs, when I send out new books or whatever, uh, you'll you'll get you'll be the first one to do it. I'm trying to do it by the by the end of this year, like before the new year starts so I can get it out there. It's about an introduction to cybersecurity and privacy. That's what the book is. Um, if you're interested in in uh, GRC work, governance, risk and compliance it's a really good introduction to what you need for to get into governance, risk, and compliance, because all of the compliance stuff that we do is based off of laws. And so that's why we wrote the book. Um, first comment, let me see. I'm going to add the book right now to my reading list. Man, 12-Week Year is an excellent book. It's by Brian P. Morgan and uh, Michael um, Lennington. Great, great book. Amazing concept. If you are into getting things done. If you are somebody who's like me, who's in the middle of several different projects, who really wants to get this thing, whatever it is in life, you want to get it done. You're an action taker. This book will change your life, but be warned. It's no joke. It it definitely ha will have an impact on your life. You'll have to rearrange some stuff. You might not be able to do everything you want to do, but I promise you, whatever you focus your energy on will get done. <laughs> we'll we'll get done. It it did so many things for me. It pointed out areas of my life where that were inefficient. It pointed out things that were not going to work immediately. Like if I focused all my energy on one thing and it didn't work, I would know within a couple of weeks that it didn't. This thing doesn't work. I have to move on to something. Throw this in the garbage. Bring something else in that does work. It forced me to face the ugly truth about some of the things that I was doing do not work. And that's another thing that it that it does psychologically for you. Like it'll you know how like you might work on something for a year. You might be working on something on and off for like a year. And you're like, damn, I hope this works. I hope. This. And by the end of the year, you're like, man, I don't think it worked that well. Twelve week year eliminate. It burns it immediately. You'll know within a couple of weeks whether that thing's going to work or not. And you can throw it right in the trash and then it forces you to think, OK, what this process didn't work. What will work? What can I do that will work? Because what it does is they set out like a, a metric system where you you hold yourself accountable. You have to hold yourself accountable. That's part of 12 week year is that you got to measure everything you do. and You got to hold yourself absolutely accountable to what's happening. If something goes wrong, it's your fault. You need to fix it. Throw the old process away. Bring in a new one. Right. And you have to do it like fast. Um, somebody said, what's your cybersecurity news? Year's New Year's resolution. What is your cybersecurity New Year's resolution? Um, cybersecurity New Year's 
resolution is to is to write more books is to write more books for GRC stand that that are going to help you with knowing the laws knowing the standards basically everything that I know I want to pour it as much as I can pour it into books put it into audio form put it into video form and get it to as many people's brains as possible that's my new year's resolution that's what I really want to do it's not necessarily to I don't think it'll help it's not going to be as impactful if I get a certification, right? I, immediately what I, my, my immediate response is to say, oh, I want to get a cloud certification. Now, I want to say that so bad, but I know the most impactful thing I can do is take everything I know and pour and work with other cybersecurity professionals and create more content and more books that I can put out in video form, in audio form, and of course in paperback and put it out there for people to consume that is my new year's resolution to put out more even more books than i have before now i've got books on uh the nist 800 i've got like four books on that with bundles and audiobooks i've got one on the nist csf with bundles and audiobooks um and now i've got one coming out about law i've got one coming out that's already out about uh best cybersecurity practices that's based on the cis uh v8 controls um i've got one about how to get in this career field that people ask me about a lot. I've got several books on those, um, but I want to put, I want to do more about GRC work, how to get into GRC, um, what, what you need to know about GRC. I'm working on one for ISO 27001 that I'm doing with a partner. I've got, I've, I've got projects coming out all lined up and I'm doing them within my 12 week year, by the way. So that's why I'm able to crank out so much content. Um, somebody said, hello, Bruce. Um, let me see. Let me post this one. Hello, Bruce. Should I send you my email address here or there? Um, yeah, you can actually, you can email me at contact at combocourses.com. Contact at combocourses.com and email me directly. If you're trying to contact me, I do get a lot of emails, so be warned. I've got a lot of people commenting on my stuff, a lot of a lot of emails, people contact me directly. And sometimes it takes me a while to get to you. So I apologize in advance for that. I've got tons of people on TikTok. I, I'm, it's, I'm surprised, super surprised that how, how much reception I'm getting, but I'm getting a lot of people contact me. So just bear with me. I'm not trying to ignore you. Sometimes I just get it just gets buried under all the people that contact me. Somebody asked me, which cert should we prioritize after Security Plus to get into risk management framework for the government sector? Um, hands down, the best certification um, is going to be the CISSP. Um, the CISSP is the best certification that you can get. It's the gold standard. Everybody knows what it is. You will have so many other jobs and opportunities open if you get the CISSP. That's it, CISSP is unless it's not for people with less than five years of experience in cybersecurity. Uh, it's very difficult certification. It's not cheap. Um, so if, if you're not there yet, then I would say you could do the, there's one called the, uh, the CGRC. They used to call it the cap. It's called CGRC 
and that is the best certification for the government sector doing risk management framework, GRC, besides the CISSP. It would go CISSP, top of the food chain. If you're ready for that, then do it. You have the because there's a bunch of requirements that you need to do that one. But if you're not there yet, then I would say the CGRC, do that one. Um, so that would be my advice. I have that certification when it was I had it when it was still called the cap. And um, it's recognized by the government. It just tells the government sector that, you know, your stuff with NIST risk management framework. And, and the whole certification is actually just risk management framework. That's all it's it's. NIST RMF 800, like you, you'll need to know the NIST 837. You need to skim over the NIST 853 so you know what it is and know how they prioritize controls and how what how how you select controls and what controls are selected, things like that. And then you'll need to know the FIPS 100, uh, FIPS 199, and FIPS 200. FIPS 199, FIPS 200. NIST 837, NIST 53, and then NIST 837, 830, 830, NIST 830. Those are the certification. Those are the documents that you'll need to read in order to help you to pass the CGRC certification. Hope that helps. I'm a developer. So what are the domains that you'd advise me to master in my cybersecurity journey hmm, as a developer. If I was a developer, let's say I knew security, I knew uh, C++ or Java, something like that. What I would do in cybersecurity would be to take the security plus to get an idea of what, what we're talking about with the security domains. But you, you asked specifically what domains you need to learn. Um, I noticed like a lot of developers are really weak on networking. Uh, I wouldn't I would know networking. I would get into that domain and how how security works with networking. Um, that's a big one. It's it's extremely. It's heavily relied upon in cybersecurity. <laughs> so whenever I meet a developer and they don't know that I'm absolutely shocked. <laughs> I'm I'm blown away and I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I'm like, how do you not know this? So I would I would focus on that domain. Hmm, what's another domain that I know developers are weak on? I would say that was the main one: networking. And networking kind of tie will tie everything else together because you're going to already have a solid understanding of of application security. Operating system security, I would say, is another big one that I'm surprised that some some developers don't know, like locking down uh, an operating system, a server and a client like a Windows 11 box locking. How, how would you go about locking that down? So those are the two main domains, networking and then operating system security. Those are the two things that would. But if you want a more well-rounded um education on security CompTIA security plus is a pretty good place to start for you um and another thing is it kind of depends on what security you want to go into because cybersecurity is a, is a very broad umbrella 
And so it goes into different aspects. It goes into what I do, which is GRC type stuff, which is governance, risk and compliance, lots of documentation, policies, adhering to policies and standards and things like that. But then there's pen testing, which is totally different. If you were going into pen testing, it would actually be the same. You still want to focus on networking and operating system security, and you probably still want to start off with security. Plus, so I was I would still say go the route of broadening your technical um, skill set on security. Like what CompTIA Security Plus is going to do for you is give you a very well-rounded understanding of what the landscape of cyber of cybersecurity, information security as a whole. And then you'll be able to delve down into what pockets you want to go into. As a developer, a real good one for you to do will be application security, which you'll learn about once you start learning more about the Security Plus, because that one would be perfect for you. And they make very good money, by the way. Uh, let me see. I got another comment question on here. Somebody said, um, Bruce, this is a comprehensive study guide that um, I worked on with that I worked with Jim uh to put together for grc oh thanks for that i appreciate that let me um let me see if i can i'll bring that up while i'm speaking and then if it's good i'll, I'll present that okay let's see let me see while we're doing that i can be reading other comments so keep on bringing in the comments while i bring up this guide SCPK tiny URL.com forward slash the this better not be a virus, man. <laughs> That'd be perfect, by the way. That'd be perfect. Okay, I think I typed something wrong here. The my oh, I'll put an L in there. Did I put an L in there? Cool. Uh okay, here we go. We have something here. Oh, this is oh man, this is great, dude. You should you guys should put this on um yeah, let me let me post this. Ryan just posted something here. I want to show you guys. So you should post this, Ryan. You guys should put this in book form and put this on um, on Amazon for free. You could put it on for free. It's a great way to promote any sites or anything that you have. And this is a study guide for the certified governance, risk, and compliance that we were just talking about. Somebody asked me about this earlier, and so we were just talking about this. I'll just show it to you guys. And I apologize in advance for this not looking so good on TikTok, but here it is. Um, and it's from Jim and Ryan, CISSPs respectively. And uh, they're breaking down all of the domains. And I have the certification. So yeah, that is the domains. Uh, starts off with information security, risk management, and then goes all the way down to continuous monitoring. It goes through all the steps of risk management framework for NIST 837. 
and I think they're still on on version one, which is revision one. Yeah, they're still on revision one with this. Oh, no. OK, they they actually put in prepare. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but does the test still just include revision one or did they update it to revision two? I don't know. I've taken it a long, long time ago. So it breaks down the length of time for the exam. Yeah, it's about 125 words. It's multiple choice. Oh, okay, it says test updates to revision two. Oh, okay, awesome. So yeah, there you go. This is one of the most important features right here that they have. This part right here, the 16%. See how it's weighted? So when you're studying for the CGRC or any cybersecurity or IT test for that matter, you want to pay special attention to this right here, the weighted portion, because that tells you how much, what percentage you're going to see of this particular topic on the test. See, 16% on implementation of security and privacy controls and 16% on information security risk management, which means you'll see a lot more of this on the test and other things. But really, this test is kind of evenly dispersed. I mean, some of them, some other tests like, like CISSP, for example, is heavily weighted on others. You might have 25% on one and five and I don't know, 10% on another, but this one's pretty evenly dispersed, I'd say. And guides like this are great to have. And look at this, he's breaking down each one of the of the sources that you need to read through. And I would argue you need to check out FIPS 200 and FIPS 199 as well. I would also skim over NIST 853 just to know what it is. But yeah, these are the main places that they pull from. Um, and this is a great one to have. If you guys are looking for this, he put this out for free. Um, if you're watching me on, on Facebook or uh, LinkedIn, then he just posted this out there on, on YouTube as well. So it's all out there. It's on my comments. And I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty good. This is it. He's breaking down each one of the domains. If you're studying for this test, this is kind of the direction you want to study in. Another tool that you could use aside from books like great books like this. Oh, he does mention FIPS 199, by the way. There it is right there. FIPS 199, FIPS 200 is also a great place to check out. Yep, he mentions FIPS 200. So thanks for that. I appreciate this, this great guide. This is the kind of stuff that we, we need to help people with these kinds of guides right here. This is the kind of stuff that I'm posting out there on um, uh, all the books that I put out there. This is the kind of stuff that I'm doing. Haven't done certifications just yet, but uh, I plan on doing it one of these days. But great. Thanks for that, Ryan. I appreciate that. If you guys are, are looking for some material on where to like where to go for reach out to some of the professionals out there. And, and luckily, a lot of professionals follow me. People like Ryan are putting out free content like the videos and books and guides and all that kind of stuff to help you guys to uh, to dive in there and, and and get to know this material from the inside um, from people who actually do this on a regular basis. And then Chuck said, 
Would it be more beneficial going the GRC route than going the other technical routes, uh, roles like pen testing, security, engineering, et cetera? And would it be more future proof than others with AI? Um, that's a great question, Chuck. I'm just going to give you my two cents about this, Chuck. It really depends on what you want to do. Cyber, and I'll, I'll give you my recommendation, but let me just tell you, like, I want to be real with you. It depends on what you want to do. And the reason why I say this is because if you were, there was a developer here, like this developer, I would advise him to do application security. That said, he needs to have enough knowledge on general security first. That's why I recommend CompTIA Security Plus for this guy. For him, the best path forward for security would be application security hands down because he's a developer. So he actually already knows a lot of things about application security, securing the source code of an application, th doing things like having comments in your code and making sure there's no uh, you know variables that are not that are that are not um, that are secured in the way that you do that with however you do that with I'm not a developer so however you do that but he knows that kind of stuff so that is where I would have him go um, if you were somebody like um, like if you are a program manager or a program a project manager and you you're kind of weak on IT I would recommend probably going into the governance route because governance route would be more you, you would be used to con uh, communicating with people. You'd be used to leading projects. And that's a lot of what I do is leading projects. I lead projects for the system that I work on. We do a lot of vulnerability management type stuff. But that's GR that leads right into GRC risk, uh, risk assessments that we have to do and participate in and, and compliance. So a project manager would be great as an ISO, as it doing an information system security officer, GRC type row, uh, route would be great for them. So what I want to say is, Chuck, it really depends on where you want to go with it. If you're starting off from scratch, I would say take your time in picking a place, a direction to go. And the reason why I say that is because, first of all, you want to know if you're if you want to even do IT in the first place, because you might not want to. And then once you get in the door, once you understand, OK, I know I, I know IT, I know all the jargon. This is really cool. I really like doing this. What will happen is something will kind of choose you. You'll find that you're very good at at one specific area other than uh, over another. And sometimes sometimes you just gravitate towards a certain topic. You, for example, you might get into this, Chuck, and, and you just really like networking. Like me, when I first got in, I just really, really like networking. It was just so fun to me. It was like a bunch of toys that I got to play with. And because of that, I just did nothing but networking stuff. Like, And I became a network engineer for a little bit. Was I a good network engineer? I found very quickly that I wasn't very good because there was so many different levels to it. And I just natched something chose me. It was security. Security chose me. And I'd been doing security for five years before that because I was I was doing physical security. And there was a lot of marriage between physical security because I do physical security assessments. I got the concept of security much easier than I did the more technical aspects of it. Um, so, yeah, it's get if you're new to this, 
first of all, just get into it. Just start to learn IT, the jargon, the landscape, and then something will start to choose you. And then you, you'll choose something, but something will choose you, right? First of all, um, it might be more technical. It might be might be more into a project manager type role, might be more of a GRC type role, but it'll, it'll kind of choose you. Um, which one would I recommend? I would recommend, I would recommend one that is an easier path and go with the flow of where you're at. I would start where you are. In other words, for the developer on TikTok, there was a developer that jumped on and says, hey, where, which, which topic should I, in cybersecurity, should I focus on? Until he knows more about cybersecurity, um, I, the first thing that they got to do is, is learn more about cybersecurity. The, that's the very first, IT and cybersecurity. Um, and the, the place I recommended him do is network security because network security is going to tie a lot of things together that a lot of developers don't, don't know. That said, application security is a natural direction for him because he already has two, three years of experience as a developer, four or five years as a developer. That's going to help him to get into cybersecurity. So that path right there is going to be way easier than starting from scratch and doing something like GRC work because it's GRC might be native. It might be completely like another language for him. Um, so I would say start where you are is one of the most important things. Which one would I recommend between roles like pen testing, security engineering, et cetera? Um, I would say start where you are. It depends on the person. It really depends. I'm not trying to cop out by saying that. That's the truth. If if you are a if you are somebody who's laying a wire, if you are working for Comcast or somewhere and you're laying wire for them, network networking will become easy for you because you'll already know what coax cable is you'll know the difference between cat six and cat five you'll know what attenuation is you'll know what fiber is you know how those things work you'll have been doing that for a couple of years so networking in network engineering will be just come very easy for you um start where you are and that'll allow you to have an easier path forward and getting and get to that big money because each one of these paths whether it's pen testing or security engineering or GRC work, or networking, or whatever, each one of them has a six-figure payday. You just got to get to it. And so what I'm telling you to do, start where you are, so you can kind of get on that, in, go in the current, go with the flow of the current of wherever you have already been doing, and get there faster. Because otherwise, you might think pen testing's cool, but you've been laying wire for the last three years. You gotta you still have to know the basics before you can even get to pen testing. So at that point, learn the basics. You could play around with pen testing, but if you were to start where you are as somebody laying uh wires, setting up people's routers and stuff, network engineering is just a natural win for you. It's just a natural win for you. So I would go that direction. So I hope that answers your question. Let me answer this next one. It says I want to write a networking and cybersecurity guide, but I'm not an expert on all the subject matters. Uh, should I be concerned? I want to write a book on network. Well, you could you could probably do one for um, at your level, like write what I do, Anthony, is I write for people um, 
lay people like myself, I'm not I'm not an academic guy, right? When I first started writing and start putting books out, I was thinking to myself, man, I have I don't have a master's degree. I don't I don't speak like a lot of these mathematician type brilliant dudes. There's a there's a couple guys on YouTube who are PhDs and shit. You know, I don't I'm not a PhD. I don't I'm not an academic guy. I'm a I'm a basic dude, you know. <laughs> like so I just start writing to people who think like me. I started writing to an audience of people who I just I started writing the books I wish people would have wrote for me. And so that's what I would suggest to you. Like you're a beginner, you actually have an advantage. You can literally write a book for absolute beginners, like a networking and cybersecurity guide of based on stuff that you know and build off your knowledge and write for absolute beginners that are that speak like you and an audience who has the same profile as yourself, who you wish somebody would have wrote that book for you. Be your own audience and write to that audience and is is what you could do. It's just, you know, you you don't have to be an expert um, to write a book. Another thing you could do is um, call upon experts in that field. That's what I do. Like if I don't know something, I'll call upon an expert who does know that stuff and I'll help them write the book. That's another thing you can do. So you have options, you know, there's really no excuse. Like you can, if you want to do it, you can. So there, there's, there are options for you. Um, let me see. Thanks, Nate, for that. Five bucks. I appreciate you. Um, here's a, here's to health, wealth, and all around success. Happy New Year. Thank you so much, Nate. I appreciate you, man. And I'm going to put that five bucks to get used because I'm going to get some coffee with it. <laughs> all right. I got some other questions on TikTok. Somebody said, um, okay, I already answered that one. Um, somebody said, not easy field to get into. Cybersecurity is not an easy field to get into. Uh, I would agree with that because it's it's a specialization, right? It's like it's like if you wanted to work in a bank and you wanted to be a loan officer. Um, to be a loan officer, you probably have to be a teller first. Like you probably have to know a little bit about the banking experience and what, what goes into all the jargon. That's kind of like cybersecurity and information security. You already have to come in. You have to be an insider. You have to know the information technology aspect first, and then you specialize in cybersecurity. So it's not easy. It's not like one of those. It's a, it's a second tier kind of um, thing. It's a second tier type of thing. If you, if you know, if you get what I'm saying, it's not, it's not specialized, you know what I mean? So um, so that's what you that's what you have to do is is first know IT and then uh, specialize in cybersecurity. So in that way, yeah, I have to agree with you. It's not it's not easy because of that. Um, somebody said, I appreciate everything you do, Bruce. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for for your acknowledgement. Thank you for watching. I appreciate you. Somebody said, currently studying something uh, unrelated. How can I break into GRC? What are the step-by-step -step process? Step-by-step -step process of breaking into GRC. Step one, you need to know information technology, basic information technology. 
um, you can't skip this step. It's a GRC. IT is is foundational to GRC. So you cannot skip the foundation. The foundation is knowing the common body of knowledge for information technology, not just the technical aspects and setting up a server or setting up a, making a client talk to a server. That That's part of it. You have to know what that jargon is. What is a server versus a client? What is a network? What was a private public network? What is the jargon is really what you need to know in the landscape overall is what I'm I'm speaking on. Um, and then the technical aspect comes with it. But um, when I say the landscape of our information technology is how do organizations use information technology? And to know that higher level of knowledge and not just like installing an operating system to know like how does an, how does an organization use it? How do universities use it? How do banks use it? How do how, if to know all that? Thanks. Appreciate you to know all of that. You need to, you're going to have to, at some point you got to read. So step one is to know information technology and how it is used by organizations. That's step one. Um, and some of the common body of knowledge you need to know off the top of my head would be knowing networking. How do networks work? How does, how do servers work? What's the difference between a server and a workstation? What, um, what, how do, how do computers actually work? How does the CPU work with the RAM, work with the storage? And what are those things? Uh, basic, basic things. You can find this stuff all over for free, all over the internet, on YouTube, everywhere. Um, I would recommend reading. Um, and the, the place to start would be, if you don't know anything, would be CompTIA A+. That is a great common body of knowledge I can point to and say, here, this has everything you need to know about the common body of knowledge for to start with information technology. That's step one. Know the common body of knowledge for information technology. Step two is once you have that, once you have that common body of knowledge, I would say step two is get hands-on. Now you can do hands-on while you're learning it. Hands-on means set up a server, set up a network, put your hands on, on a, a wireless network, set it up at home, configure it, set up a firewall, mess around, look at the packets that are flowing through. There's tools that you can do all this stuff. You can actually do most of this stuff for free that I'm telling you, but you got to start put hand. The reason why I say step two is hands on is because you can know about it academically, but if you don't like know, if you don't touch it, you don't really know what it is. You know, conceptually what it is, but you don't like really know until you mess around with it. So I would say step two, mess around with the technology. And you can do both of those steps at once, by the way. That would be a smarter way to do it. Step three would be once you know the common body of knowledge, you've, you've touched it, you've put networks together, you've done step two. Step three is to start to learn the, the security best practices, cybersecurity best practices. There's a couple places you can go to learn this. Um, and I'll just tell you a couple off the top of my head. Um, one is CompTIA Security Plus. It has a breakdown of how you secure your network. Once you've built your network, how do you secure it? How do you secure an operating system once you've installed it? How do you secure 
uh, a DMZ. What the hell is a DMZ versus an uh, internal network and an external network? Why do you have to have those three, right? CompTIA Security Plus is a great cert certification. The reason why I keep promoting CompTIA is because CompTIA, they do a really good job of breaking down the curriculum. If you go to co college, is the best option, but not everybody has those kind of resources and time to do that. If you can, by all means, go get yourself a bachelor's degree. If you can do that, that's that would be the best choice. And you can get you can knock out uh, step one, two and three all at once. Right. Or back to back. That That's the best place to, to do to, to knock out those three steps. So now that you have step three done, you've got the best uh, practices for security, best security practices in place. And you've started to apply them. Um, now you can start thinking about GRC. As a matter of fact, it will come naturally to you because GRC is nothing more than how does the organization use information technology in a secure way. So now you can kind of see the big picture. You have to learn IT to know how what the hell this stuff is, right? That it's like the it's like the syntax of everything we do. It is the grammar to everything we do. It is the language that we're speaking through. IT. You, we can't speak unless you know that language. And then the security piece is how do we secure what we've put into place? How do we make sure that it doesn't get infiltrated? It doesn't get broken into. We make sure that people's privacy is protected. How do we do all of that? That's the security piece. And then how does the organization as a whole put all this together? How do we as an organization, if we have a company, how do we put all this stuff in place and make sure it's secure and it's doing what we want it to do? We, it's doing what we want it to do in a secure way and protecting our customers and our clients' data. That's GRC. GRC stands for Governance, Risk, and Compliance. And it's putting all those three concepts together to make sure your organization in your particular particular industry is doing it effectively. So those that those are the steps of GRC. I hope that that helps. And at this kind of very high level approach to what I'm saying, it goes very very deep. <laughs> everything I'm, it goes everything I just said goes super deep, super deep. But uh, we have a few minutes to talk about it. Larry, my man, Larry, thank you. I want to say shout out to Larry, Larry. In 2023, man, you've helped me with my liquid death addiction, and uh, I appreciate that so much. Larry's been really a huge support to this channel. Um, Larry, I believe, is a project manager. He says, "Happy, happy New Year, fam! You can break down. Can you break down the most notable GRC work? Um, and also, are you are there entry level opportunities outside of compliance?" The compliance part of GRC. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and um, providing a space for all of us. Okay, this is a really good question. I have to really get the hamster wheel working on this one. Okay, first part of the question is: Can you break down the most notable certs for GRC to work? Okay, yes, I can. In order. The first most notable GRC certification, the number one you that's the most, it's the most notable. Everybody knows what it is. 
the no question about it. If you have it, you can get yourself a GRC job is CISSP. Hands down, except no substitutes, it's the best certification that you can get. Whether you agree with that or not, it's a fact. It is, is a fact. <laughs> it's the best certification because everybody knows what it is. Um, it covers the most ground. Um, if you have it, you know something about security um, more than likely. That's not to say that you're the best at security. There's definitely not to say that the CISSPs are not always, we're not all the same. We're not all equal. There's, there's not, not every CISSP is good <laughs> or knows what the hell they're talking about, by the way. But if you have that certification, you can get yourself a very good GRC position. Um, the next one in line will probably be, there's a few of them that are in the number two position. One of those is called CASP. Another one is called CISA. And another one's called C-Risk. And I put those all at number twos because most people know what one of those are. And um, they're accepted in most industries. So I would I would put those kind of on, on a number two. And then a number three, like a, a third one, a tertiary one, will probably be CGRC. But that's very specific to the government. CGRC is formerly known as ISC2 CAP, would be another good GRC certifications. There's many other GRC certifications, but... They're not marketable. When I say marketable, it means nobody knows what the hell they are. Like if you there's a few of them that I'll look up every now and then. Nobody like I just heard of it just looking it up and the industry. That means the industry as a whole doesn't know what it is. Um, one that I didn't mention that's really good is Security Plus. I mentioned Security Plus a lot because Security Plus covers a lot, quite a bit of ground. Um, and I would put that. I'll put that on the number two scale, too. The number one one is CISSP, though. It's just general enough to where you can uh, you can work almost anything doing CISSP in cybersecurity. Let me see if I can find. There's this really good site that I use quite a bit. And this right here, Larry, is going to be a good source for you. I, I'm sure you've seen this before, but this is called, uh, if you guys are watching or listening to me, just go to Google and type in security certification roadmap. It's it's a site from Paul Jeremy, and it's a shows the progression of of um, a progression of cybersecurity and IT uh, certifications that you can use. And it has like a tiered structure where at the bottom you've got your entry level, and then in the middle you've got intermediate, and at the top you've got uh, ex experts. And these are how the certifications are kind of broken down. Let me kind of show you guys on TikTok. You guys are not familiar with this. Very, very good stuff. One of the best sites. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know this dude personally, but this is just a brilliant, awesome little tool that I found on my journeys through the internet. And it's just really, really good the way he broke it down. He updates it like every couple months or so. Very, very good stuff. And this roadmap breaks it down. He's got it broken down by types of certifications. You got your networking ones here. You got your IAM ones over here. You got your security architecture, engineering, asset security. And then look, CISP is like right here at the beginning of the expert level. I'd probably put it a little lower, to be honest with you. But yeah, they put it on the beginning of the expert level. 
um, it's highly recognizable. And then you have some of your tertiary, the secondary ones that I kind of pointed out that are kind of in here. Another thing I would like to point out is that uh, your GRC stuff is right here in this black security and risk management. This is mostly GRC type certs, meaning they're broad enough to where they're covering lots and lots of ground. Um, but yeah, that's in a nutshell, this right here will show your progression of, of security and risk management certifications. You'll so you'll see some of these that I don't, I don't really recognize. Like, let me see. I'll just point one out. Here's one right here. This certification is the first time I've seen this. I'm clicking on this for the very first time. I've never been to this website. Uh, I'm pretty certain that employers are not going to know what this is. Not to say it's bad. It says nobody knows what it is, but it is the GRC certifications, MGRC. And why, why is it not as popular? I mean, marketing, right? Like <laughs> it's marketing. And so marketing does matter because if nobody knows what the certification is, that's a problem. So I would say um, CISSP, then Security Plus, and then um, C-Risk, CISA. You could probably put CISM in there as well. And then at the bottom of that list, I would say the CGRC. And then your next question was, um, are there entry-level opportunities outside of compliance, the compliance part of GRC? Mm, that's a good question. Damn. That's Larry, that's a really good question, man. Um, entry level. Entry level. Um, hmm. So let me break this question down. So entry level opportunities outside of compliance in GRC. So GRC, let's break this down. GRC stands for governance, risk and compliance. Right. And the compliance piece, I've said that there are entry level positions out there for it because organizations are looking for if you're if you happen to be a help desk person and you happen to know you happen to have worked with HIPAA, you've worked with, I don't know, PCI DSS, you've worked with ISO 27001, you've worked with pick a framework, they will hire you. They will you you put your resume out there and you you put on your resume that you you have this knowledge of HIPAA or PC, PCI DSS or or NIST 800 risk management framework or whatever you can get hired in the entry level um, compliance opera uh, compliance officer position you could the other two not so much and so that's why Larry's question is really really good <laughs> because. If governance is a management type role, usually, so they don't want entry level people in management positions. Usually, if you're a manager, you will have had to have some sort of management type experience, whether you're you were a supervisor or you were a I don't know, like you had to have managed something. And then you've got to articulate that on your resume. And then the other piece is the R, which is risk, risk management and risk compliance and that's for risk like you really got to know your shit for risk man like you really if whether you're doing 
scanning or assessments or whatever, they're kind of expecting you to know your shit with risk. So I would say no, Larry. I would say I can't think of any compliance. The only one that may, maybe if you were like a junior level assessor, maybe. But even that, uh, yeah, you're not, man, there's not many going to be many positions for that. So that's a great question. I'll say no. I'll say there's, they're not, I haven't heard of any um, risk junior level, like an entry level risk assessor. No. A junior like entry level management position. I mean, maybe, maybe if they were willing to, if you were a supervisor before, but you had to have been a supervisor, which is not necessarily entry level. So, no, I would say, I would say there's none, no entry level G and R. C, yes, compliance, yes. But unless I'm missing something, G and R, I, I can't think of any off the. Top of my head, unless it's like an entry level assessor. So, man, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. Thanks for that one. That was awesome. And then Larry asked another question or made a comment here. He says, I've been working as a PM in governance for the public sector for four years. That for That's another way of saying that he's a project or program manager in governance management for the government for four years. Um, I have I have a couple of master's degrees and in, two, and in 2024, I'm chasing, chasing down a cert, hoping that will be, that will open up doors for GRC cyber. Man, you can do it. You can absolutely do this. You can absolutely do this. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear? Can you guys hear? Hear me right now? Larry said sound, so I don't know if you guys can hear me. All right, let me answer some more questions on, on TikTok. Somebody asked, can you talk about experience? CISSPs use anything from industrial security, FSO, or... CPSO workaround. I can hear you. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. Um, okay. Next question is, can you talk about experience? CISSP uses anything from industrial security, FSO, or P, a CPSO work. Does that count? Does it count for um, experience? Let's break it down. Okay, let's break this down. Security experience for a CISSP. So the CISSP, the reason why people put so many things down is because CISSP covers so much ground. Like it's, <laughs> it covers a lot of ground. Uh, it covers a little bit of GRC stuff. It, it covers stuff in the R, the C, and the G. Um, it covers technical, a little bit of technical stuff without, w while remaining gender, 
gender neutral, <laughs> um, vendor neutral, <laughs> a Freudian slip there. Um, it's it's just very broad, you know. It's somebody described it to me as being a mile wide and an inch thick. It's just it just covers so much ground, and that's why you see such a diversity of people's um, experience on their on their resume when they're a CISP, because it does cover physical security. By the way, physical environmental security, you can find that stuff on the test. It just covers so much ground and it's just really, really broad. And which is why if you get the CISSP, you can get a GRC job. You can it's gonna help you with your networking job. It's gonna help you with your whatever job you want. Like it's just so broad that it kind of covers a lot. And a lot of employers are asking for it everywhere because of that reason, because you're just kind of like a jack of all trade and a master of none. Um, yeah, and it can cover industrial security. Uh, f facility security operations, like f physical security, environmental security, um, you any kind of security you've done, I can't think of anything that wouldn't be counted on. I'm, I'm sure there's something, but there's it just covers so much ground that if you have any security experience whatsoever, it could probably fit in that gigantic bucket of of, of CISSP. Uh, it's going to help. It's going to enhance what you know as a security expert. So just about, I don't know what a, a CPSO is. Let me let me actually look that up real quick. Don't know what that is, but let's just see. CPSO security. Okay. That is a contractor program security officer. Contractor program security officer. Manages, directs, and develops security programs and procedures for programs that uh, can contractually impose, um, be imposed security. Yeah, this is definitely something you could, that this is also could help you a lot, actually. Um, and people are looking for this kind of, this kind of work. So this, this also is, this is like personnel security. You manage, direct, develop security programs. Yeah, this is that's GRC. That's a G and GRC right there. That's sometimes they'll pull me into those meetings to figure out if if they're doing a project, uh, they're doing a new contract. They'll say, OK, how, what's the wording like? Can we get this wording right on this part of the contract? And they'll have me wordsmith some stuff for that part. Or are these requirements fitting with what the client work wants or whatever? You know, so that, yeah, that also will fit. That also will fit for you. All right, let me see. Got some more stuff here, guys. Uh, how many? Okay, we've been doing this for about an hour. Um, let me see. I'm a web developer, precisely. My focus is on JS, JavaScript, Node, Python, PHP, and security and C++. Yeah, this guy would be great for doing application security. Great for application security. And they pay very, very well with application security. There's, it's very specialized. There's many, many jobs. Look for You got to look for them. And they, they don't have a lot of people who, with the skill set to do um, hardcore programming as well as knowing the security part of of uh of an organization 
So application security would be right up your alley. Ivy says, what are the common paths that people take to get into GRC? Common path, I could tell you my path. Um, I started off in uh, as a vet. I was in the military. And I, I understand not everybody, not everybody has that skill, or not everybody's been in the military, very few of us who have. But uh, start off in the military. And in the military, they kind of throw you everywhere. So I did um, help desk for some time. I did networking for some time. I did, uh, I don't know, they, they put me into GRC when I was in the military. Um, I also did, I don't even know what it's called anymore. We decommissioned systems. Like when they were done with a computer, we would take it, tear it apart, and then we would destroy the hard drive, degauss it or something, and then we would get rid of the uh safely get rid of the equipment so i did that too in the military so i kind of did everything when i was in there and then when i got out um i just want to do purely networking and, and like unix administration and so i just want to be completely technical so i went from being a vet doing mostly help desk and networking stuff getting out of the military and then doing I was a contractor as a like a system admin for some time and then from there I went into GRC because I'd done a little bit in the military I was very familiar with GRC from the military so my background is government um a more common path that I'm noticing with my peers is is to uh, be like a, a system admin. I notice a lot of them are coming from the system admin world. Not all, not all. There's some help desk guys in there. And normally they come from system admin though, I've noticed. Like a lot of my peers used to be system admin and then they transition into GRC work because they were doing a lot of security with system admin work. Um, so that seems to be like the normal path that people, and, and the thing about system administrators is most of those guys used to, at some point were help desk guys. So it's normally help desk. Then they specialize in something like system administration. That's like you, you're, you're, administ you're managing a server. Uh, you're protecting a server. You're putting patches on it. You're, you might be setting up, um, accounts managing accounts or something like that and you get kind of deep into that thing and then grc that seems to be the most common path that i've noticed so if that if that's you then you're you're on the right track some other paths i've seen has been um the another path is one of my co-workers he came from the SCA realm. He was a he was a uh, what do you call a valid a validator? Like they would go, and they would be the guys that are coming in and, and assessing the system. And then he became a GRC guy, which which technically he was already a GRC. He was the R in GRC, and then he would start doing ISO type work. So I've seen that path. But then he also came from help desk. So it's mostly help desk, and then somebody they specialize in something like they do like some kind of server. They level up and they're going deep in one thing like server 
work or something like that and then GRC. That it seems to be where people like the last place people go before they do something even bigger like either they retire from it or they do a director or something else like a man upper level manager or something like that or they get out seems to be like the last stage <laughs> hope that answers your question uh somebody said i just started cyber i need to know where to apply oh i need way more information than that and I'm not sure if you're still on anymore, so I'm going to skip that question. Just start. I need way more. Do you mean you're your, okay, what title I have to work for? I just started school three months ago. Um, how can I get into remote after three months? Okay, this is a lot of questions, my guy. So I can, sounds like a student. How can I work? How can I look into remote work with only three months of cybersecurity school? Hmm. Uh, I would say you're going to have to manage your expectations. Um, and I'm not trying to, I want to be real with you. Um, I want to be real with you. I'm not just trying to sell courses and sell books. Um, people are looking for experience. What I mean by experience is, they want you to know they want you to have had hands on within an organization or have done some sort of project where you are trusted with the keys, of the castle, like where you are trusted with important information, sensitive information. If you were in school, they want to know that you you worked on um, a project to help uh, set up the workstations for students and you cleaned off viruses or something. If you uh set up you volunteered to set up a, a wireless service in your local community they want to you got to have some skin in the game usually to get the remote jobs the remote jobs are not easy they're very very competitive so let me just be completely real with you they're looking for experience and i know like the like the Big challenges, if, especially if you're trying to go into this real fast, is that there's a chicken and egg situation going. How can you get experience if everybody wants you to already have experience? Like where – how do you – there's this big thing where they don't want to hire you because you don't have experience yet. How can you get experience if nobody will hire you, right? That sounds like where you're at right now. And then you get out of school and you're like, damn, I can't find a job and I want a remote job. But what you don't understand is that number one, remote jobs are very competitive, very competitive. So you're competing against somebody. You, you have three months of school and you want a site, you want a remote job. I'm not telling you it's impossible, but what I'm telling you is you got to manage your expectations. I'm not telling you the real deal about this this here environment there you're going to be competing against somebody who already has three years of in the field experience so you have you have you're a person with three months worth of cybersecurity school and you're trying to get a job a remote job and then you're there's going to be 15 people ahead of you who already have 10 years of experience doing it work who are they going to hire you know what I'm saying? 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm telling you to manage your expectation, and I'll tell you a path to get there. It's, it's not easy, and it's going to take you some time. But if you're willing to do it, you can get there. All right. So if, if you have no experience, but you have a couple of years experience, or let's say you have a security plus or you whatever, right? What you need to know, number one, is that everybody's looking for experience. Number one, experience above certifications, experience above everything, above your degree, above everything. That's what employers want. Number two, like I just said, remote jobs are very, very difficult to get. So where where do you go from here? The first thing you should do, especially if you're a student and you you still in school, even if you're in high school, whatever the case, and you're trying to get in this field, you got to get actual hands on experience right now. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get your degree. Don't do not wait. There's a few things. If you're in school, there's a few things you can do. Go straight to the staff and figure out if they have work that you could do right now. Whether they pay you or not, don't matter. Like you're working for something bigger. You have a bigger long term goal where you want to work remotely eventually. You'll get there, but it's not today. It's probably not going to be today, more than likely. So the first thing you need to do is get that experience. If you're in school, you're in luck because now they usually have some sort of um, internships or apprenticeships that you can do in the school. Sometimes the school will have a some kind of partnership with local businesses like vocational schools or they'll have a They'll have a partnership with local businesses and they'll allow students to come work on the job to get that experience. The great thing about those, whether they're paying you or not, is that you can put that on your resume. Okay. And we'll get to the resume and profiles in a second. But right now, you got to get the experience. You got to get the hands on experience. It's not enough to have a piece of paper in your hand and try to walk in the door. The experience right now. Apprenticeships, look into those. Go ask the staff, are there any apprenticeships? Are there any internships? Is there anything I can do at the school? Are you, are you guys setting up networks? I want to help. I want to be a part of the staff. I want to help set up images on the computers. I want to help. I know you're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be there. I'm trying to work remotely. I have a kid. I have this. I get that. But to get where you're trying to get to, you got to put experience on your resume. So you, you'll get there. You got to take one step at a time. Get experience first. Once you get experience in school, and if you're out of if you don't have, if you're not in school, you're not in an accredited college, it's going to be more difficult, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. You can still do it. What you can do, there's a couple things you can do, especially if you already have the knowledge. Let's say you're just really sharp on IT. You're just really sharp. You build your own computers. You're a gamer. You build your own stuff. You you uh, you build your own networks in your house. You you, the knowledge is there. You already have it, but you just want to get that job and you want to get that experience. What you could do is start your own business. You could do freelance work for your local community and then set up, help your local community. It's going to take a lot of work on your part, getting out there and figuring out if you can help your local community to set up a wireless network. Or if, you're, if you have happen to go to church or something, help them set their stuff up. Um, if you, the veterans always need help, like you can help, uh, local veterans and ask them, Hey, you guys need any, you guys have computers. You guys need any help with anything. You guys need stuff like that. You can help. If, if there's people who need a rig set up, you can go to Facebook 
and ask people, hey, do you guys want me to set up, help you set up a rig? I'm available right now. Here's my business. I'm a freelancer. Um, there's things you can do, right? You can go to Upwork and do it. You can go to uh, Facebook and, and, and get what you want to do is get hands-on experience and then get that on your resume. I'm trying to figure out ways that you can do it if you have nothing. Um, not easy. Another thing you can do is like me, go in the military. Um, military was going to is going to get you. <laughs> it's going to beat you right in the shape. You're going to be baptized by fire. And you might not live on the way out, but sometimes you got to take risks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, so those are a few options you could do. Um, <laughs> those are a few options you could do um, that that are available to you. Um, the name of the game is to get experience and put it, get it listed on your resume. Once you have it, you have experience to put on your resume, you need to make a resume, ATS style resume. If you don't know how to make one, you can download one for me. Mine's free. It's on LinkedIn. It's on, um, link is in my bio. It's called CompTIA. I mean, it's called, um, convocourses.net. You can download my free resume to get an idea what an ATS style resume looks like. It's very important that it be ATS style resume because that is what employers are looking for. Does that make sense? They're looking for a certain format because there's so much going on right now. Everything's moving so quickly that um, everything's moving so quickly that they have to have a database. Employers have a database. And they're what they're doing now is they're pulling in people's profiles from LinkedIn and from Monster and from Dice. They're grabbing them all in into their database and then it has to be in a certain format that format is called ats style or uh, application tracking software it pulls it in if it's in that format it fits right into like tetris it just fits right into place and then they can then consume all of your information that you put your first name your last name uh your your phone number your your work experience your education all of it just comes right in if it's not in that format and you try to make it look pretty and you try to put little i don't know little flowers on the sides or whatever the hell like put a little picture in there and it looks nice it's it's not going to be pulled into their resume properly i mean into their ats style um into their database properly. It'll be all messed up and they're just going to throw it out. That's why it's got to be ATS style resume. And then that way they'll see you when they're looking for somebody who has three months of cybersecurity school or security plus or whatever you have on your resume. They'll pull that in and then they'll be able to sit, call you up and say, hey, um, hey, Dana, are you are you ready to work at our organization or hey we're looking for somebody with your experience are you are you in the Den the Denver area are you in the DC area so it's like that so that's what you need um hold on a second I got a call oh lord let's hold on guys this has been going on for some time somebody call me hold on in a Live. No, it's not here. Not in two nine six.
Sorry, guys. It's an important call. I can't put. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. Apologize. Um, I hope that helps. Um, I know that us, you know, it's a, kind of a one-on-one -on -one thing. I would really like to help people individually with that one. Um, and I know there's not an easy solution for getting into this field. Um, I wish there was a magical, easy way to do it, but uh, it's a specialized field. So it does take some work on your part. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it, um, so great to work in because not everybody can do this work. There's so many things before you can get into this field that uh, that you got to do. It's it's not for everybody. Okay, let me see. Uh, Ryan says, Bruce, something that I might throw out there for people looking for to make connections in the industry is to join a professional organization and participate in those organizations. Listening to you, I've already made a few connections with people like Larry. Same can be said of joining organizations like the ISSA. Yeah, that's, well, that's a great idea, man. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> or a local chapter, ISC2. I'm a member of the ISSA COS. Do we know each other, man? Because I used to work with those guys. I used to teach for them. We might have known. We might have met before, man. Seriously. It's crazy. Do you know that crazy hacker guy? You might be that crazy hacker guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's a great point. Ryan brings up an incredible, uh, an incredible point that I didn't bring up. So if you are looking for connections to get into cybersecurity, into information technology, there's a great group of people that are probably in your local area. Uh, that are probably in your local area and it's called ISSA. So if you happen to be a new person looking to get in, man, Ryan, this is great, man. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I just didn't even think about that. If you are a student, if you are a, uh, somebody trying to get into this field, man, even if you have no experience, you don't know anything about it, go to Google and type in ISSA. They have a chapter for the ISSA in every, in most major cities, in most, in most, all states. I, I'm going to put myself out there and say it's in every single state. Um, it might be a little bit limited, but if you go to the, if you go to their meetings, which they have at least like once a month, what they'll do is these local chapters will join up with local organizations, local businesses. And they will, the businesses will promote something sometimes, but also they'll be recruit. Sometimes they'll be recruiting. And then they'll also let you know about local um, job fairs. And sometimes they're looking for recruits. They're looking for people to be, to do internships and apprenticeships and things like that. So, so uh, yeah, it's called ISSA. And just type that in and they'll have a local chapter. And this is a great way to network with other people, a great way, because I there's so much to be said about networking with other people. And most of the time, uh, the way that you're going to get positions 
the 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 most exposure you're going to get to other positions is going to be networking with other people. You know, if if you put yourself out there online, there's a if you do what I'm telling you to do, you can get even more exposure as far as like putting your resume everywhere and everything, making sure your resume is good. But man, there's something to be said about meeting face to face and you just can't beat it. In the end, you just can't beat it. So ISSA the great thing about cybersecurity in this community is that there's not many of us. And so we kind of stick together. We don't typically burn bridges. Uh, there's not many of us doing this work. And a lot of times we'll dual hat it. That means like we have several different jobs and stuff. So we're not stepping on each other's toes. There's so much work to do that we're more interested in pulling people in than we are of, of kind of blocking people and getting people out. Because we just don't have enough people doing this work. And a lot of us are getting older, man. To be honest with you, it's an old game. Not a lot of younger people are doing this work, unfortunately. It sucks. So I've noticed like a lot of, um, I've talked about this before, a lot of um, immigrants, a lot of, you know, first year immigrants are doing, they're, they're citizens, but they, this is their first years, first generation immigrants are coming in and they're doing cybersecurity because they could see how, how much how lucrative it is so but we need really need younger people to come in and do this work and and going to places like issa is a great place to network with other people and figure out how you can get your foot in the door or even be mentored by other people uh let me see thanks ryan that was great man that was really that was really awesome uh which entry-level job titles should we search for risk management what entry level titles should we search for risk management framework what's a good entry level salary um should security plus be easy to pass in it okay there's a few questions here let me let me just answer the first one entry level job titles what what is an entry level job title for a risk management framework and what is a good entry level salary? Okay, so the way I would like to ask answer this one is, hmm, pull back from risk management framework. What you really mean is compliance, because there's going to be more entry level jobs for compliance in general than risk management framework. Risk management framework is is a term used specifically for federal GRC work, and um, that kind of there's a gigantic filter for that for that position. <laughs> so this you got to be there's so many things that come into play when you're talking about risk management framework as a job, as a position and doing entry level. So it's better to like broaden the lens and say compliance entry level positions. So let me let me see if I can show you what what we're talking about when we're talking about entry-level positions. So I'm going to go to Indeed.com, and I'm going to – hold up. Give me a minute to show you. If you want to follow along or if you happen to be listening to me on a podcast, I'll explain every step that I'm doing here. The first thing I'm doing is I'm showing my screen, and I'm going to Indeed.com, and I'll show you guys on, on uh, TikTok as well. Here we go. And I apologize for this. It's not going to look pretty, but for the sake of following along, here we go. So here we are on Indeed.com. This is just a random ass uh, 
job aggregator and we're going to type in we're going to type in um uh compliance officer we're looking for an entry-level position let's let's just start off broad right here so let's say compliance officer right i just type that in and now we're looking for entry level because this is a director, compliance, chief director, hospital chief. See how all of these are like super high level. We don't want that. Let's see if we can. So first of all, there's only 270 jobs for this. So we might not find what we're looking for, but let's just try anyway. So now what we want to do is we want to sort it by experience level. So let's go to experience level and we'll say entry level. There's 20 probably not in our hometown and this says <laughs> this is this is not right this is a false positive director of compliance monitoring and it's an entry-level position so this might not actually be an entry-level position but you kind of get the gist of what i'm doing here right all i did was i typed in compliance officer and then i sorted by um i sorted by experience level entry level and there's 20 items out of 270 plus. And then chief compliance officer. I don't know how many of these are actually entry level, to be honest with you. Uh, but you would want to look through each one of these. <clears throat> so maybe compliance officer is not the right word we want. So let's look, let's look up something else. Let's just let's just put in compliance. Let's just put in compliance. Let's see if that works. So so far, my experiment, my experiment is not working. <laughs> All right, so now we just put in compliance and we've got all kinds of jobs. Now it's outside of security. It's just going all over the payroll compliance and I don't know, compliance specialist, regulation. I mean, it's all over the place. But now let's narrow this down. Uh, let's narrow it down by experience level once again. It was going to go, no, let's say no experience required. Let's start there. Compliance telemarketing, we don't want that. Senior, man, I'm getting so many false positives here. So this is also not good. Let's try compliance analyst. Has a drop down of all the other keywords. Let's just go by compliance analyst. This might be in line with what we're talking about. And we'll just look all over the United States. We're not going to look in any one place. There's a 1,300 jobs for this payroll compliance no we don't want that we want we want like a grc type position we'll try grc next compliance analyst mark four three remote a remote job mm, i don't know about that one here we go it compliance analyst SOC two two years minimum required okay so what what the original question was how could you get an entry level what job title would you search for to get a risk management framework job? And what I said was I rephrased the question. You probably don't want to type in risk management framework for op, for um, for this opportunity. And the reason why is because compliance is very, very broad. So you can get compliance in the hospitals and banking, and there's so many compliance positions. So why limit yourself to just risk management framework, which is mainly for the government? So let's broaden it out by compliance analyst. And what we found was 13, 1,300 positions. And there's a couple here. I found one. Um, let me see. Here's one. Risk manager 
and compliance analysts. That's the that's the word we want. Com compliance analysts. Because I'm finding jobs here. And here's one. IT compliance analyst. That's kind of the word you want to put. Compliance analyst is one that you want to try out. And then you want to filter by experience level. Um, I'm trying to think of another word you could use besides compliance analyst. Uh, let's just try. Let's just try GRC. Let's try GRC analyst. Here we go. GRC analyst. And we're going to look all throughout the United States once again and see what we find here. So there's 1,300 jobs once again, and a lot of those are in line with the compliance. Are they? Let me see. Is that right? Is that correct? Let me just search again because it seems like it's the exact same thing as before. It is because compliance analyst is similar to GRC analyst, I think. So there's a lot of overlap. But here's a couple. I mean, here's a GRC analyst position. You see a lot of them are remote. I don't know if I if that's on purpose. Okay, that's that's a problem. Let's say we don't want just remote jobs. So there's 81 remote jobs and there's uh, 67 hybrid jobs. I'm not going to filter by that. I'm just going to keep looking. But yeah, so analyst, GRC analyst, compliance analyst, those are the keywords you probably want to stick with. You could probably do risk management framework analyst. RMF analyst. Let's see if that's one. Yeah, there's looks like there's a few. There's one information security analyst. There you go. That's one right there. Supposedly, that's an entry level job. That's another one you could use. Information security analyst seems to be a good one. That one's popping up quite a bit. Let's try that one. Information security, security analyst. That's an entry level type. But you'll notice, let me just show you something real quick before you get too excited. <laughs> because what you'll notice is that even though they're saying, oh, it's a junior level position for a risk analyst or whatever, you'll notice that they're still looking for like two years of experience. So entry level does not, and we talked about this before, doesn't mean no experience. If you want no experience, you got to you gotta filter by no experience. I hope that makes sense to you guys. So yeah, I hope that answers that question. Let me see. I think they had a couple other questions here. They said, um, they said, should the security plus be easy to pass for IT professionals? Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily easy. Um, it depends on your exposure, your security exposure. Like if you had a lot, if you've done a lot with cybersecurity, if you've done a lot of like, for example, setting up audit logs, reviewing audit logs, if you've done a lot of uh, working with policies and procedures and you've you've implemented a lot of security features on systems, you've to do this kind of work, you had to think through the process of doing security. You've, you've been in a situation where you put too much security on a system and it broke it. If you've done that kind of thing then more than likely security plus will be kind of, it'll be, you'll, you'll recognize a lot of the concepts, but if you don't have exposure to security, it's going to be a little difficult. It's, it's, it's going to be alien to you. You're going to think like, why did, you're going to have a lot of questions 
you know. So it depends on how much exposure you had to security. Is it hard? I would not say it was hard, it, but it won't necessarily be easy if you've had no exposure to uh, security and and have situation. If you've hit that wall with security where you wanted to secure something and you put too many security features and you broke the fuck out of it, then you know some security. Because <laughs> um, then you you have to you have to balance security with functionality. Does that make sense? And if you if you've been in that situation before, then you or you've had to argue with IT guys about security. If you've been, if you've been in these security, if you've been in those meetings where you're arguing with cybersecurity guys, or you're the person arguing the security, then you kind of have some idea of what of you've been to that wall, right? And anybody who's done security before, who you guys know, what I'm talking about. <laughs> So security plus won't be it won't be hard for you, but it, it, there'll be some questions that throw you off a bit, maybe. Um, let me see. I think we already covered your other question. You said, "Are there a lot of remote re, uh, remote risk management framework jobs open today, and is it competitive?" Yes, there's a lot open, but it's also very competitive. You, if you were seeing my screen, I was going through different information security analyst positions and, and risk management framework positions and GRC analyst positions. And a lot of those, probably 40% of them were remote, um, but they are very competitive. Like if you go there, already 50 or 60 people have already applied for those jobs. You are competing against all 60 of those people, all those people you're competing against. So it's extremely competitive to do remote positions because everybody wants them. Um, that said, you can't get them. You just got to be very aggressive about applying and you got to have your, 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 your resume game on point. Um, 999 says I have one year of experience as a third party risk analyst and I know, and I now have been doing it support. How can I go back to GRC? Man, you could eat, just man, put it on your resume. Just put it on your resume. Just I think a lot of problems when people ask, like, man, can I get into cybersecurity or something? A lot of times it's the resume. The resume is not um, explaining how much risk analyst risk assessment work they've been doing. You you got to put the tools that you use when you did risk analyst work, the tools that you use to do cybersecurity, the, the tools that you use to do GRC work. You might think. You might be thinking to yourself, man, nobody gives a damn about Jira. Nobody gives a damn about Tenable. Nobody, I use this so often. Who cares about EMAS? Who cares about CSAM? Nobody cares. They do care. They're looking for you right now. You got to put the tools of the trade on your, as well as, the, of course, you got to put the skills. Um, if you've ever worked with PCI DSS, if you've ever worked with GRC standards of any kind, if you have any kind of knowledge about the laws, you need to put those on. If you know what FISMA is, if you know what HIPAA is, if you know what if you I'm not talking about just know what it is in general. I mean, like you worked with it. You had to talk to the hospital staff about how to implement HIPAA or you went through HIPAA training for for half a day or something. Put that on your resume. 
A lot of times people just not putting this stuff on their resume and people and the employers, people who are looking for you don't know that, you know, uh, risk analyst work. So just put it on your resume. That's how you get back in it. Put it on your resume and then put your resume, ATS style resume on Dice.com, on Monster.com, on CareerBuilder.com, on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on uh, Simply Hired, on Jets, uh, Career Jet, on all platforms. After you tighten up your ATS style resume and put the GRC and cybersecurity stuff that you've done, put it on your resume. That's what you need to do. And if you join your local ISSA chapter, you can also put that on your resume. So join your local ISSA chapter as well. AI will replace information security very soon and, and pen testing is worthless. I don't know how long this guy's been in IT, but... He needs to work with ChatGPT a little bit more because it's not replacing. It's it's not in a place where it can replace anybody just yet. Um, it's not in a place. Well, it can't replace cybersecurity and IT just yet. And the reason why is because information assurance. Let me explain information assurance. I'll give you an example, a real world example. Samsung is an incredible company, international global company who's had amazing success. I have a Samsung phone right here. They've got all kinds of incredible technology, groundbreaking innovations, all kinds of patents. They just have a brilliant team of great engineers. So whenever new technology comes, they jump on it, you know, just like any great company does. And um, they jumped on ChatGPT. When it came out, their engineers were like, hey, can we use ChatGPT? You know, that'd be kind of cool. They were working on some secret project or whatever. And the, the it took a while, but the engineers managed to... Um, convinced the management to use it and they were allowed to use chat GPT. And so that's what they did. The engineers and the scientists jumped on chat GPT and start using AI to work on some top secret sensitive stuff. Now, the thing is the stuff that they're working on is so groundbreaking that if they were to, if their competitors, Apple, for example, was to get a hold of it, they might use that to their advantage if they happen to get <laughs> they're to a point where their patents and their secrets and their sensitive information is so groundbreaking that if if Apple or HP or any of their other competitors that they have, I mean, hell, they're in four or five different places, right? They're not just on phones. They're on TVs. They have refrigerators. They have all kinds of stuff they're working on, probably 5G, everything. They're working on everything. World class. They're all over the world. It's an international company. And they have things that if somebody got, if their competition got wind of it, they could, their competition could take that and run with it because they have people just as brilliant and they're working on stuff that's just as brilliant. So anyway, Samsung started using ChatGPT. And they put some secret sauce on ChatGPT. Well, the problem with that is that anything you put on ChatGPT 
is going to be known by somebody. Right now, it's on chat. It's on OpenAI servers. So anything you put on there is going to go. It's going to be. It's going to hang out. Going to stay there in OpenAI's servers. And I don't know if you knew this, but not too long ago, maybe four months ago, they had a breach. Not not a not a breach in the sense of a hack. They had a leak. What happened was, if you've ever been on ChatGPT, you can see. You know how you can see. I don't know if you've worked on it, but what what happens is when you work on it. It'll pop up on the sidebar. You you can see all the prompts that you've typed before. Like if you could type, uh, what is the biggest country in the world? What is how what country has the most people? It'll be on the side. All your old prompts will be listed over there, and it saves it for you to go back to for efficiency. Well, at one point, what happened with OpenAI's ChatGPT is that you I could see other people's prompts, like anything they typed in, I could see it. And some people there was they knew this because some Chinese ones were popping up. I, I remember seeing it, as a matter of fact, I saw some Chinese characters pop up on mine. I'm like, how what's this? I don't speak in Mandarin. So what is what's going on here? <laughs> I was seeing other people's chat and, and they could probably see mine. And so keep in mind, Samsung was putting their stuff out there. So their stuff is probably popping up on other people's. So they probably put sensitive information on there. So information assurance means what confidence do, do I have as a decision maker and as a CEO or a director that the technology that we're in services that we're using is secure, that it has confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Meaning confidentiality means is a secret is it is it encrypted properly blah 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 integrity means if we send the data from point a to point b this was somebody able to tamper with it and, and mess with it and send it on its way or was it uh from point a to point b uh kept in the same configuration that we put it in originally and then availability is if we put it on a website is it available to everybody or is somebody going to do a denial of service attack on it? We need some level of confidence, some level of assurance that that is it's secure. And we don't have that yet with AI. We just don't have it. Eventually we will. Yeah, yes, one day when we get to a point where AI, you know, is more secure, like maybe, I don't know, the government takes AI and they they put it in its own silo where other people is not publicly available. That would work. like Or maybe uh, Samsung does the same thing. They, they put it in a silo where it's not publicly available information. They have their own instance of chat GPT or AI, some AI machine that's internal to them, internally based, then they could use it internally and then it, they know that you know it's not going to get leaked to the public or to their competitors or something so we don't have assurance yet with ai we're getting there it's, it's going to be there you know probably within i'd say probably within the next couple of years but even then it's still a tool that we're using it's it's not it's a tool that we're using ai will not replace you a person using AI will replace you. And that's not a quote from me. That's that's a quote from, I believe that came from the dude who created, and I can't remember his name. He's a, he's a Sri Lankan guy who created, um, oh my God, what AI did he create? Shit. 
Mid Journey, the dude who created Mid Journey. He, I believe he's one of the guys who first said that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. But that guy, <laughs> I agree with him. Like, it's not going to be AI that replaces you. It's going to be a person using AI that replaces you. It, whether they're using a spe AI specifically to do one thing or AGI, I think even AGI will not replace a person. Not, I think some jobs will get replaced. Probably telemarketers will get replaced because they're that shit's going really fast. But if anything's dealing with information assurance, I don't know about that, man. Um, the more I know about it, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's gonna make people better, not necessarily it needs direction and it needs um requirements and we have to guide those requirements still and there has to be a certain level of assurance that it won't uh make some shit up because that's another thing problem that it has is that it'll just make shit up all right guys i think that's it i think we are finito thanks for all your questions i really appreciate you um oh my god you said all of that too fast <laughs> what what did I say too fast? Um, appreciate everybody. I have to get off of this thing. I've been talking for about two hours. And um, I, thanks, Ryan, for your input. I really appreciate when experts like yourself jump on here and, and help to educate people. And Larry, man, thanks again. Thanks for the liquid death every week. Nate, wherever you are, thank you so much. For your contribution, I appreciate you, Nate Dowd, and everybody else who follows and watches. Appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Remember that book that I talked about, 12-week year? Great book. I highly, highly recommend it for people who are who are trying to do better, uh, who are very productive, 12-week year. Check it out. Great book. Um, one of my favorites for the year of 2023. I'm going to try to do more videos um, through the holiday season and uh also follow me on on um on combocourses.net if you haven't joined my newsletter jump on it because i give out jobs that are sent to me that i can't use that i'm not going to use and also i'm going to be sending out a free book here real soon we just got to get the cover good wrote it with a couple of cybersecurity guys so that one's coming out soon introduction to cybersecurity and privacy laws really, really soon coming out as soon as we get the cover nailed down. And that's it, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate everybody. Happy New Year.